Hi, I'm Dr. John Newfeld, and welcome to Truth and Life Today. You know, today we're going to talk about what is the significance of getting older? Does the Bible have something to say about that? So as we get older, do we drop out on life, or do we still have a significant role to play? Clearly, we're going to need to talk. It's important to face these realities because unless we do, we'll never know what to do next. There is an ethic in the scripture that is, I think, foreign to the way in which we think in today's contemporary Western world. Uh, In today's contemporary Western world, as we get older, we become increasingly less significant. There are those years in our life when we kind of reach a zenith. I don't know where they are, maybe between our mid-40s and mid-50s. We're at the height of our power and we're at the height of our ability to produce and accomplish things. And then after that, we go through a number of years in which we're slowly moving towards retirement. And then once we get there, we just kind of end our work life. And for a great many of us, we end our involvement in a number of places. Some people go through this sense of, you know, who am I? And does my life still count if I got something to contribute? And some people just grab a hold of that and simply say, I've got the resources. I'm going to get out of town. I'm going to travel the world. I'm never going to be in Canada in the wintertime again. I'm going to look for sunny climes. And so our lives are just taken up in to one meaningless pursuit after another, which are all centered on self-indulgence until the point in time when we can no longer do that and we're, you know, maybe locked up in a nursing home somewhere and we kind of end out our years with a sigh. But if you read through the scripture, we read something entirely different. And the Bible speaks about the wisdom of the aged. The Bible says that we are to rise in respect for the aged. And so what the Bible calls us to do in our senior years is really something that I think it's countercultural. I'm going to say something, and it's this. I think that some of the best years in any life, if God gives us the mercy and the grace to have health and that we live to be older, is that we can use our older years in being perhaps some of the most significant years in our lives. We, we can actually get to our senior years and we can find that our contribution actually grows and doesn't narrow. We can invest our lives into younger people. We can give wisdom where it's badly needed. And we have the time and we have the resources to invest in a number of different areas. How does that actually look? What does that feel like? Well, those are the kind of things that I'm going to talk about with an extraordinary young pastor by the name of Paul Park. Pastor Paul Park is in his mid-30s. He's got one child. Um, He's got a young marriage. He's got a, a growing congregation. And yet he's got a deep concern for what it means when we get older. And I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Pastor Paul Park has got a vision for how elderly people can function in a way that gives them dignity and also provides a resource to the rest of the Church of Jesus Christ. I've heard him preach, and I think he's an excellent preacher, but I think he's also got some great ideas for those of us who are getting into our older years. So I've got Pastor Paul Park here, and we're going to talk about something really interesting. Paul, we're going to talk about uh, what happens at the last phase of your life, or, you know, you get older and what now, which is interesting because I don't think you're at that phase at this juncture. (laughs) I know. Um, I I know I recognize that I'm a younger pastor and stuff, but this has really become, uh, I'm very interested in this topic. 
Uh-huh. Um, I like to call it the next chapter. Uh, one of my mentors, he's he's about in his early 70s, and he's recognizing that he's offered so much to the church, so much to the seminary. He used to be a prof. He still is a prof, actually. Um, and what he's challenged me with is, Paul, being a young pastor, I want you to know this, that there are many people in your church um, that have so much to offer, and yet everything else in the world says you're done now, so there's nothing left for you. Yeah. And yet they are healthy. Um, some of them are very healthy, and they have 20, 30 years left, yeah. and they're kind of lost. What is my next chapter? So here's a little factoid as we talk yeah. about this. How do we get the 65 age, which is the cutoff age? And I know the answer to that. It came from Kaiser Wilhelm in Germany. Mm. And uh, he did a survey during his days, which was the 1800s, and he found out that the average German lived to be about 64 and a half. Mm. You know, so if you made it to 65, you were beyond, you know, you were beyond what life expectancy was in Germany at that point in time. So he thought that the state had an obligation, therefore, to move in towards those people. Now, I mean, we're recognizing that life expectancy now takes the average person into their low 80s. And if you've got a healthy constitution, probably into your late 80s, maybe into your 90s. I've been reading also that we have more and more people in Canada who are reaching 100. Yeah. So if you book off, as many people do, at 57 or 58, there's a long life of inactivity that's awaiting for you. And as a believer who's been productive... What do you do with those years? Absolutely, right? So does your stewardship of everything that God's given you just all of a sudden end? And do you just move away and say, you know what? I'm just going to go on cruises for the rest of my life. Well, Um, some do. And some do. And I think that's why I think the church has a job there. Socially, um, we recognize, and we just talked about this off air, but we we, we recognize that there are shelf lives for certain jobs and certain careers. We recognize that. Like a basketball player, an athlete, right? We recognize that they have to plan for post-35, 40-year-old. You kind of look into, okay, is it coaching? Is it media work? Well, what do you do? But for a lot of other industries, we don't really do that. We don't plan for the next chapter. We say, okay, I had a good career now. I'm just going to kind of check out until the Lord calls me home. Home, And I don't think that's the right attitude, biblically speaking even. Um, I think the stewardship, um, it, Paul gives me the best model. I know Paul wasn't a senior citizen in this sense, but Paul says he, he ran the race. And, and he was poured out like a uh, drink offering. Like yes. That imagery means that he spent everything that he had and he ran the race. He fought the good fight. Um, he didn't just sit back and check out. He didn't just say, you know what, I'm going back um, and I'm just going to sit around now. Um, I think that gives us a good model of what's expected of us even in the next chapter of life. And as a young man, I want to be able to encourage and inspire um, everyone in our church, especially those who are hitting their 60s and 70s and 80s, um, if, what, what is it that God is calling you to now? And here's my answer so far. As a young man, I appreciate this probably more than anyone else. I would not be able to handle my work if I didn't have the mentors around me. Uh-huh. And I have several. Like I have a guy in his 70s who is uh, as biblically astute as I've ever seen. Uh-huh. He memorizes the Septuagint and, and everything fully in Greek. He carries wow. around the Greek Bible and, you know, <laughs> we, we interact. He's, he's my tutor. He's my coach. He's my mentor. He's a, also a good, good friend. And he's been a lifelong seminary prof. Right? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And absolutely wonderful man, humble man. And he was humble enough to actually accept. He used to be the president of the seminary. He used to be in all these, you know, uh, you know, socially kind of well-regarded places. And yet now he's taken a quote-unquote lesser role 
to be able to put us into those positions so that we can, we young guys can thrive and learn to take on those positions. And yet he didn't just step away. He is fully supportive of us young people. And that's just one mentor. I have several in their late 60s, early 70s, and even in their mid 80s who are not only praying for me, but they meet with me regularly. I have a guy who used to run um, a big company. Um, he used to run Roland Canada. Um, he's in our church. And from time to time, I like to take him for breakfast. Uh -huh. He feels honored by that, that a young guy like me would take the time. But I feel honored that he would take the time to meet with me and share the stories that he's um, had of sharing faith in, in a workplace that wasn't really filled with Christians, of sharing faith in a different country in Japan when he worked for Roland. Huh. Um, it is truly inspiring to hear some of those things and to learn. And, and for him, just there's practical knowledge too, like how to manage a company, how to run, um, uh, run, run a budget and things like that. And there's so much for us to glean that it's, you, it's sad that know, these it's, people it's check It's fascinating out. because I, mean, you, I don't know whether you've, you've read Piper's book, Don't Waste Your Life, which mm -hmm. really made a splash because the beginning of the book, he has you know, this couple living in, I think, Punta Gorda, Florida. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they spent their time collecting seashells and had it all in their, I don't know, the RV or whatever they had, I don't recall. Uh, but he said, Piper said, the author of the book said, you know, imagine standing before God and all you've got to say for all of those final years of your life. I mean, look at all these neat seashells. Mm -hmm. Here's what I think. There's so much in our culture that says, make sure that you're putting aside enough money so that for the next 30 years of your life, when you get to that point in time, you won't have to work. Mm -hmm. You can book off and you can spend, you know, in Canada, you can spend a lot of time in the sun belt in the U.S. or maybe even in Mexico or wherever you like to go, travel the world, don't hang out in your local community anymore, just check out of life because you've got that mountain of money that you can live on. I think that we're mentoring and discipling people to do that. We even tell them you can have freedom when you're 55 and freedom yeah. means yeah. you're not actively engaged in your community yeah. anymore. Yeah, and I think that's where the church can step in, right? I think that's where the church can inspire um, and challenge people to actually continue to steward the resources that God's given them well. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about financial resources, right? Time is a big thing. I have a woman in our church who she's still working, but she, she, she's kind of part-time um, and she can retire if she wanted to at yeah. least. Um, but she serves um, the, so many families in our church. When there is a, a delinquent youth, uh, she and her husband will take them in. And, and let them cool off before they go back home and, and urge them to come back on the right Where path. Where does she get them from, the delinquent youth? I mean, is that from it's her the neighbors. government? Oh, it's her it's neighbors. It's her neighbors. She's so active in the community. She would, um, so she believes that date nights are important for young couples. She believes pastors are notorious for not keeping the Sabbath. So she thought she would do something about that. She would call us from time to time and say, Paul, Sarah, I need you guys to go to, on a date night. Uh, send Nathan over. It's not that I want to spend a lot of time with the cutest baby in the world, but <laughs> send him over. Turns out your baby is the cutest yeah. baby in the world. Okay, <laughs> yeah. very good. But send him over because it's important for you. I've been there. I know what busyness looks like. I know what being in mid-30s looks like. I know what being in ministry looks like. And I don't want you to go down a bad path. I need you to do this. I need you to go on a date night. I, as a young person, when old people come in and just say, oh, you're doing this wrong and that wrong. Yes, a lot of young people will feel like, oh, I don't want to be really you know, talking to that person. But if you come and say, I want to babysit your kid for you for free, because I believe that is important because I've been there in life. Huh. What young person would say, I don't want to interact with this kind of person. Right. 
this, this kind of love, this, this community that you can build. Um, it's just so beautiful. And there's so much in our church. We have lots of seniors and they are the backbone of, of the service that we offer to the community. They're so wonderful. And I think there's something to be said about um, using your last chapter or the, or the next chapter of your life wisely for the Lord's glory. Huh. So this, this is fascinating because I think we need to see the different stages that we go through in life. Now, I've, I've lived long enough now to begin to realize how those stages are true. Um, you know, you got that stage where you're, you know, everything is before you and you're making the long-term plans in your life. Who am I going to marry? You know, what kind of a career am I going to pursue? Am I going to be successful at what I do? How can I ensure my own success? So, you know, those are the big questions. And then for a believer, it is how could I keep Christ at the center of that? But there comes that point in time in which you get to that age, you're talking about it, where you simply say, I've done it now, you know, and and uh, yeah, I've poured myself out, but now there is reserved for me not a crown of righteousness, but 30 years living <laughs> yeah. in Punta Gorda, Florida, yeah. right? Yeah. And you're telling people not to do that. Yeah. And I think it's also some of the ownership, I think, has to be on the young people too, right? Sometimes young people say, get out of the way. It's our turn now, right? right. And I think that's also a negative uh, culture that we've somehow brought into Western society. Um, and you know what? I was guilty of that when I was a younger person too. I know I'm still young, but um, you know, you know, you should retire already and give us a chance. And the, the challenge with that is, you know, we can't discount experience. Yeah, we're going to come right back. Yeah. We're going to take a break, and I'm going to ask you tell us some of the things that those who are seniors should be involved in. We'll come right back. Sure. It's important to face these realities because unless we do, we'll never know what to do next. I'm back with uh, Pastor Paul Park, and we're talking about something that, you know, it's interesting for me to talk to you about. You're a young man, and yet you you have this vision for um, a lifetime of serving rather than serving until I'm retired and then just booking off. So let's talk about, I mean, you've dealt with a number of seniors. You've helped them uh, to see what God has for them now. What kinds of things do you find seniors doing? I mean, you've talked about this one woman, but, you know, if somebody comes to you and says, I, I just don't know how I can be useful to the Lord's work, what do you say to them? I think there's so much that they offer. Um, there's, there's mentoring opportunities, um, and yet it's very intimidating even for a, a senior person to approach a younger man or a younger woman and say, I want to mentor you. Right? That's, it just doesn't work that way. Um, I think the best way to start to engage in these relationships are actually to form organic atmospheres around you where the mentoring can become a natural thing. So, for example, that woman who babysat. But also there's other opportunities like community groups. You can be a leader. Um, there's so much that you can offer. And don't just lead. I mean, it is good to lead a seniors group. I, I value that in our church as well. But there are other seniors in our church that open up their homes to be a group, um, to lead a group that's multi-generational. And there's something beautiful about that. Um, there are service opportunities where you go intentionally, not only just to volunteer to serve in an area, but to build relationships there. Right. Uh, to invite your neighbors out. Um, there's so many opportunities with newfound time in that stage of life that you can really utilize for building relationships. And, you know, the younger people aren't so, 
you know, I, I heard an interesting uh, stat from the Barna Group when they did some research. They asked different generations how they understand generosity. Right. Uh -huh. And I believe um, some of the older generations, they they experience, you know, financial giving to be generous, uh, giving of your time, sacrificial service to to the community that they understood that as being generous. The millennials, the biggest thing they understood as generosity was hospitality. Uh -huh. When someone opened up their home, that was more meaningful to them in understanding a generous heart than anything else. That, that was fascinating to me because, you know, we have this image as young people that we don't want to engage with the older generation. It's so not true. Statistically, it's not true. We want to be welcomed into your homes. Uh, if you uh, would open up your home um, and invite people into your lives, there can be relationships that are built into a natural uh, mentoring relationship. Yeah. I mean, even struggling through, you know, issues of you know, childhood and, uh, and trying to find time for relationship. Uh, now your children get to teenage years and uh, you find a whole new relationship with them. Am I going to make it? It's nice to have an older hand there that says, hey, let me walk with you through yeah, this stuff. Right? Absolutely. You can't buy experience, right? Like I, I had to coach a young person in our church to um, not discount people with experience. Uh, the young person was saying that, you know, uh, they don't know because they're not relevant anymore, right? I'm like... Man, you have no idea. I've seen them in action before. before now, the scripture's got a lot to say about how we should treat those with gray hair. Yeah, and yeah. I like those because my hair is getting grayer all the time. So. <laughs> yeah. But, but let's talk about, I mean, the scripture seems to have a high honor yeah. for the elderly, and yeah. it's called upon us in the Christian community to do that. Yeah, yeah, we have to honor them. And I know you've worked with some Asian cultures in your career. Yes, um, I have. But I come from a Korean background, and um, it's it's closer to kind of the biblical times, the shame and honor culture, you know, saving face and everything. Um, I'm not saying one culture um, is better than the other or anything, but there is something to be said about uh, respecting elders yeah. and honoring and going out of our way to learn how to express that regularly. And I think in the West, sometimes we miss that. Um, out of being friendly and everything, we sometimes miss the aspect of the biblical command is for us to honor them. And to honor them um, is to actually allow them to thrive in this next chapter of life, not to discount them. They offer so much experience that I haven't gone through. Why would I not tap into that? Um, this is a body of Christ. I may be an arm or a leg or a hand or a foot. Um, if there's another body part that God has created and used brilliantly for his purposes that are there to partner with us for God's kingdom work, uh, for us to ignore that and to push that aside, I think is actually sinful. Um, I don't think it's just something that's just, you know, bad. I think it's sinful to do that. Um, so I think the younger people have to be paying attention to these things in society, especially because we're going into a generation, I believe, where senior is going to be the largest demographic yeah. of Canada. Yeah, yeah. So we better learn how to engage with this well. Now, now Paul, I, I'd like to talk about, because all seniors are in economically different place. I mean, some are struggling to get by. Mm -hmm. uh, some have a lot of resources. And I know over the years uh, as a pastor, um, working with people who had significant resources, the great temptation there is to use those resources to just, you're, you're gone a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so you just book out of your local community and then all of the good stuff that you're yeah. talking about doesn't happen. The, the advice that I've sometimes given seniors is if you're going to be gone, 
then tell us in advance, make it a regular part. I remember had a woman that worked in our info center and she said, Pastor, I won't be here in the month of December. Yeah. That's the one month you can't count. You can count on me the other 11, but I'll always tell you when it's gonna be. Now, yeah. because it was, she told me about yeah. it. I always knew when it was, we could easily work around that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't know. Is that a good piece of advice yeah, to give absolutely. seniors? And even giving. I remember us teaching about giving and regular giving. And um, it was interesting because um, we have automated giving nowadays, right? Uh, at least at our church, we have that. And people never thought about they're gone four months of the year and they stop giving. And it's not their heart's intent to do that, but they just never thought of that. Um, so we do the regular giving thing, but then there was another struggle with that because some of the seniors struggled with the idea of not putting something in the offering plate. Right. And, and we had to help them get through that. Um, why is that important to us? Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to go down on them hard, but I also wanted to ask them about the secret nature of our generosity. Well, let's stop though. I, there's a number of things in what you've said. One is getting away for four months at a time. Yeah. Let's just talk about yeah. it. Is that a good idea? Because <laughs> well, can I be faithful yeah. in my local church if I take a four month block or is that okay? Yeah, I think there's uh, every case is going to be different, right? Like for example, I have a friend who has uh, children and grandchildren in, in the states, yep. so they want to spend quality time with their family, and that's I think beautiful. That's great. I agree. Um, but then there are people who wander around; they're just meandering, I guess. Um, and I think if there's a lack of purpose in life, that gets to a dangerous place. I remember my pastor when I was a kid; he used to always teach this when David was on the rooftop and had nothing better to do uh. when everyone else was working and at, at battle. When, when, when kings would go out to battle, David was sitting in his um, palace and he was just walking around and he happened to see a beautiful woman. Yeah, and he's got nothing him. to do. Now, when you yeah. get older, the temptations are gonna differ, but they're still gonna be real. Yeah. And, and that meandering can be a dangerous place because if you say, I have really no focus in life, then what you're saying is God's mission is no longer important. Well, I'm going to tell you a story. The woman that I just told you about that said, I'm going to be gone in December. I did her funeral. Mm. And when I did her funeral, I found something out. That December that she spent in Mexico every year, she actually volunteered to feed oh, the wow. hungry. Wow. And that we got notes from the pastor that was, she was involved in. And it turns out she had a huge significance. Wow. That was her calling. We never heard about that. <laughs> and I only heard it at her funeral. It was just... It warmed my heart. I had no yeah. idea that even when she she liked the sun, I I, <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. But it it told it, it's it's the counterbalance to saying when I'm gone, I'm doing nothing. Yeah. Rather, when I'm gone, I'm going to be useful there too. Yeah. So you've you've been involved in. I think you've told me that it's with your with your own father-in-law. Yeah. yeah. Who's dealing with. Yeah, seniors uh, ministry. I guess um, he runs a care facility center. Um, he's a CEO of um, an organization, and and it's interesting to hear about these seniors and how to walk uh, life through them, the chaplaincies that they have, and things like that. But I, I've grown a huge appreciation um, for seniors because simply because of my mentors are all in their uh, late sixties to early seventies yeah. now, um, and I'm finding man, these guys are too good to sit around. And then my mentors don't, but a lot of their peers do, and I've realized there's too much to offer to the body of Christ still, and. It could be both ways. It could be because the young people are pushing them out, or it could be because they're not engaging. Um, we need to fix both ends, in my opinion, mm -hmm. to create a healthy church, because I believe that's what God always desired. I, I love seeing like Moses and his father-in-law 
coming in to give wisdom to a young man who doesn't know how to delegate yet. <laughs> and and I, I think those kinds of moments are those little details that show us what real community looks like. And I think it's, it's, it's so easy for us to get caught up in the moment and ignore the others. And I think it's, it's wise for us to kind of look around and say, well, we have a growing seniors demographic. How are we serving them? And how can they serve the body? Um, I think that's important for us to figure out. Thank you. Pastor Paul Park, what a delight to have you here on Truth and Life today. God bless you and your ministry. Yeah, thank you so much. It's important to face these realities because unless we do, we'll never know what to do next. I hope if you're an an older believer that you've been inspired by what you've heard. I hope that it's caused you to think and rethink and reimagine what God has for you in these years. And of course, every one of us are in a different place. Some of us, if you're older and you're retired, uh, you might say to yourself, you know, my finances are really stretched and I don't know how I'm going to make it. And others have a mountain of money and we have all manner of resources, can do whatever we want to. And depending on our health, we're going to use our time differently. The challenge for you is, what does it mean to live faithfully now? You know, every single era in life that we go through will be faced with different temptations. When we're young, there's a temptation to be sexually unfaithful. Uh, When we're older and some of that, you know, that urge is gone out of our lives, we might think, well, I'm past that. But there is this temptation that every one of us has when we get older to be self-indulgent. I've put in my time. Now it's time just to spend time for me. And yet, Christ has called us to abandon everything to follow him at every stage of our lives. And the question that you and I need to ask ourselves, whatever stage you're at, at this stage in life, what does it call for me to become a radical follower of Jesus? Lord, help me not to lose my zeal. Help me to know how to serve you and to give everything to your noble cause at this stage in life. I hope you're hearing that call. Thanks for joining us, Truth and Life Today. Encourage you to join us again real soon. Uh, Thanks for joining us today, and please make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more interviews, episodes, and Bible teaching content. Uh, Thanks for joining us today.